Welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles, presented by Zaxby's. Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today, or order online at zaxby's.com. This is the Cowboy Chronicles, the Oklahomans, Oklahoma State football podcast. I'm your host, Scott Wright, joined by my beat partner, Jacob Unruh. It is Kansas State week. We'll uh, we'll get heavily into that later in the show. We'll... Uh, Take a quick look back. Uh, final, uh, final impression, lasting thought from from the Texas game. Oklahoma State's first loss of the year, thirty-six to thirty, at Texas last Saturday. Uh, we talked a lot more about the game in our post-game podcast. So, if you want to hear that, go back into the archives, check that out. Uh, but Jacob, uh, what uh, what sticks out to you at this point? You now a few days removed from the Texas game, as kind of the uh, the lasting impression or the lasting thought from uh, from that night in Austin. It. It still seems to me like like OSU's a little positive still. Yeah. Um, and not that they should be that the sky is falling and the world's over because they had one loss to open Big 12 play. Right. But it just seems like they're a little more overly positive. Uh, Chuba Hubbard said, you know, they they he could have done more. They, they said that, you know, there were some mistakes they kind of let, you know, that happened that they could correct that they feel like they, they kind of lost the games themselves. They don't – I don't know necessarily they – they're not taking it away from Texas, but I feel like they kind of feel like they shot themselves in the foot, maybe. Right. More than anything yeah. else. And they feel, they seem like they feel really positive that they can get that fixed. And right. it's not going to be an issue moving forward in the short yardage situations, things like that. Um, that's kind of what I took from the players tonight. It seemed like everyone was, you know, fairly relaxed about it and, and just looking at Kansas State. Yeah, absolutely. It was one of those games where you 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 feel better like if you'd come out and just gotten demolished at the line of scrimmage and and you're running for your life all night and uh, you know guys are running open uh, against your defense and all of those sorts of things where you just felt like you got dominated I think it's uh it's a little bit more concerning maybe than a game where you felt you had opportunities to win the game and you didn't succeed. I think that is, while it's frustrating, it's something that you can work on to improve, and I think that helps the uh, helps the psyche a little bit to sort of uh, process process how you how you view a game like that. I think that's a really big deal. So, I think that there was a, a little bit of a positive vibe out of this. I think we sort of felt that from from Gundy on Monday when he spoke mm-hmm. to us. Uh, he was he was loose and in a good mood, um, probably more so than he's been most Mondays. Really, you, even after getting asked a question he didn't like on the Victor right. teleconference, he yeah, was still exactly. loose and, and free with us. Yeah, he, he the he got the uh, the Boone Pickens question, which if you haven't seen all of that, um, you know, we, we we don't have time to get into all of it, but but go Google it up and and check that out. And that went uh, that went really south really fast. And we speak to him, you know. An hour later, an hour, maybe. hour and a half after that, and uh, so I was a little curious what kind of mood he was going to be in at that point. But he was in a he was in a really good mood. Uh, got asked about that situation again on Monday, and uh, um, you know handled it, handled it uh, handled it well. So it was an, it was an interesting week. It's been an interesting week talking to to Gundy and the players. So you can definitely see where they uh, where they see the things. That they can change to improve what they did at Texas, and that's that's a big deal at this point in the season. Rather than getting run off the field and feeling like you failed in every area, there were a few 
critical things, and that what that's what brings me to my lasting impression from that game, which is the short yardage situation. I, you know, my, my gunny is he was talking. He he used the phrase "live and learn" on Monday, and I was trying to figure out whether he was just using that catchphrase that just because it fit the situation, mm-hmm. or if he really felt that they had learned something. And I got the impression that it was more he just used the phrase rather than that they had. I mean, I, I do think they learned things, but I think that they felt like it was an execution thing, not a strategy thing that led to some of their failures um, now the, um, Gundy didn't want to talk at all about the uh, the fake field goal at all in, in anymore and Jelani didn't want to tonight either. Jelani Woods not interested in discussing it either uh, obviously you know they there's some belief that uh, in on their side of it that you know talking about this instance too much is going to uh, to open the door to something else so that's fine. That's uh, that's their uh, their prerogative on that one. But the short yardage stuff is something to keep an eye on because they've had issues in the past. Last year they installed that I formation stuff and had really good success with it early on. It 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 became something that they could that they could work off of and would have something different from week to week out of that out of that set. You know, going back to just old school I formation type football, and uh, and c- bringing back some of the plays that Mike Gundy probably ran with uh, with with Barry Sanders in the 1988. Um, you know, looking at different variations of things that they could do, and uh, but it, it didn't feel like they were really they had really changed things up too much this time around with with what they've showed before and and what they ran at Texas. So that's uh, that's the thing I'll be curious to see, particularly this week. <laughs> Kansas State is a very disciplined team up front, very physical at the line of scrimmage. How does Oklahoma State handle it the first time they get in a third and one situation, a second and one situation, uh, you know, down into inside the red zone? How do they uh, how do they react? How different do they look? That's going to be the thing that I'm uh, that I'm really curious to see. All right, let's take a quick break. Come right back on the Cowboy Chronicles presented by Zaxby's. We are back on the Cowboy Chronicles, presented by Zaxby's. I'm your host, Scott Wright, joined by Jake Bunru. We are, uh, we, we should have mentioned this off the top, uh, we're we're not in peak podcasting shape right now. We're I, both a little bit sore. I, I'm hurting moment. a little bit today. It's um, it's a little painful right we, now. We tried to play basketball today, and the key word is try. Try is a very good way um, to describe what we did. It was the first media basketball game for basketball media days yep um we were picked on the men's basketball team by cam mcgriff and thomas dezagua really makes me question their decision making uh, yeah it was, yeah, it was not good we got slaughtered we did it was ugly um the, uh, the 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 two women's players who picked for the other team it was uh you know they coached one team cam and uh, and thomas coached our team um they had a definite strategy in how they were picking things. Well, uh, and well it was, Jim Littell uh, came up before them before during yeah, I think, war, I during think the he shoot was, around. I think he was doing a little scouting. He scouted everybody. He was telling them, "Hey, this guy." I heard him say, "Hey, this guy over here." I don't know who he was talking about, um, but he was talking about somebody. Um, it wasn't me, uh, yeah. and uh, you know. And so they had a clear strategy on who they drafted, and uh, we got thumped. We did. Um, it was fun though. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I still think the rims are rigged. I want Mike oh, Boyd to look very, into that. 
very unforgiving rims. I feel um, sorry for the uh, OSU players that have to practice in in the uh, the, the GIA yeah, practice. That gym. was that was rough. Was very, I had a couple shots that rims. that I think hit the net but rolled out, and uh, I was not pleased. Yeah. But uh, it yeah. wouldn't have been so bad if I could have gotten a couple of shots to fall. Maybe I don't know, but I'm you know we still would have lost. But oh yeah, absolutely. It, I would have felt better I, about myself. Maybe that's it. That's that's. <laughs> I I made my first field goal on a putback. With uh, like a minute left in this game, and that got us to ten for the yeah. game. Yeah, we and were, this was a twenty-minute game. Yeah, this, was, this wasn't like it was a, a first one to twenty-one yeah. or something. It was it was rough, um, it, but it was a lot of fun. But it was I'm a lot hurting. Of fun. Uh, the, we're speed the, the, the speed of the, the game price. was like college pace. Not yeah. gonna lie. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it was, was not how I remembered it when I played high school basketball. You know, sixteen years ago, and uh, you know, so it's. Uh, it's a little tough driving home tonight. Yes. Uh, my legs are sore. Yes. Um, very much appreciate the Oklahoma State basketball folks putting that on, though. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, got to interact with some of the players in a in a different type of setting, and uh, and have a little bit of fun. And, and the coaches too. Boynton and, and Jim Littell are both great guys, and it was uh, it was cool to to get to do that the highlight of the night still want to tell teed up one of his own players yeah he did that was great he did she got a little bit fired up coaching over there didn't like a call and uh he did not waste any time dropping that tee on her beautiful and then i seen the video on twitter and you got to go find the video on twitter with caleb boone laughing at uh a missed <laughs> layup and doing some interviews um that was quite quite yes. enjoyable several air balls on behalf of our team yes. that, that made the cut uh on the uh, on the final video you got uh, fouled on the video, though. I did, and and Frank Bonner is going to tell you on there it wasn't a foul. He's going to tell me tell you it was a clean block. There was body on. He bodied that. me up. There he was bodied body. me up, trying to bang me out of the paint. <laughs> he the, the the block itself was clean. I'll give him that. Yes, but, but he there he was bodied, body. He bodied me up. I I tried to body up Cliff Brunt from the Associated Press, and they still didn't call the foul on me when I bodied him up. No. So, you know, I was trying to use one of my five fouls. Right. Got him. Might as well use them. Yeah. All right, well, let's get back to uh, the topic at hand, which is Oklahoma State-Kansas State football. Big game. Important to bounce back strong for Oklahoma State this week. Uh, as we uh, as we discussed, Kansas State, a very disciplined and very physical team. Things, the ca- Characteristics that have carried over from the Bill Snyder era. Chris Kleiman, obviously a different coach, but you don't win as many FCS championships as he did without having really disciplined and physical teams. So um, you can uh, understand why that carried over and has been a key to the season that they've had so far. What um, what jumps out at you as an area of concern? I know that uh, that you're writing about Chuba Hubbard for, for the paper this week and, and his, his uh, heavy workload. Um, is that uh, is that kind of the big the the big concern to see what direction that goes, or is there something else that uh, that jumps out uh, at you about this game? I think it's part of the concern, but yeah. I think one of the concerns I have is the offensive line. Right. Um. They got a, they struggled against Texas at times. Right. Um. A big physical team like Texas and Kansas State's gonna do the kind of the same thing. That's that's an area I look at, and that ties into Chuba's carries to me. Right. Um. You know. Carrying the ball 37 times, talked a lot about it on the post game podcast, but that's that's too much for Chuba. Yeah, too much for anybody, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, and they've got to find a way to alleviate that. Um, I wrote about that tomorrow, but the funny thing was, Chuba said, "I can do more." Yeah, which, I mean, 
more power to them, I guess, but I don't think Oklahoma State wants them to do more. They want them to do less. And yeah, absolutely. they've got to find a way to do that. Um, so I think the offensive line and Chuba kind of go hand in hand there because if Chuba Chuba got 37 carries and he's not getting touched a ton, he's not getting physical mm-hmm. tackles like Texas was, then I think you might be okay. But that was a physical game, and that's what's scary about it. Yeah, absolutely. Because he was, like we discussed, just it was like he was running into a brick wall at the line of scrimmage. I mean, 37 carries and only came away with 118 yards is uh, is not the type of production that uh, that Oklahoma State expects to get when they run the ball, particularly against a defense that is uh, pulling a safety basically out of the out of the middle of the field mm-hmm. to make sure that they're covering Tylen Wallace well. So I'll be curious to see what Kansas State does defensively. Uh, in in what little bit I've uh, I've caught of them, they uh, they seem to like a little bit more man coverage on the outside. I would assume they're not going to go with that quite as much after uh, after watching how it went for Tulsa. Uh, though maybe they uh, they feel like some of that uh, that type of theory is uh, is is relevant to them. But it'll be interesting to see what their defense does in terms of the uh, the the pick your poison aspect of the Oklahoma State offense with Hubbard. Wallace and then Spencer Sanders showing what he can do either throwing and or running. I know Kansas State has a lot of a four man front too, so that's gonna be yep. interesting to see how much they employ you know, deploy that against trying to stop the run. Um, like I said, and balancing out their pass coverage. So it's you know, 'cause you got options in this obviously you can go two linebackers and, you know, kinda play with some things out there right. if you want, but do they I don't know if they want to do that. Yeah. Yeah, if if they can if they can move things around and stop the run with say a six-man front that's going to be a uh, that's going to be a pretty significant game-changing type of uh, type of situation for Oklahoma State because that's going to leave five guys able to, to stay in coverage and an extra guy around there somewhere to uh, to to help with it whether it's with Thailand or, or just uh, just a deep safety or whatever it might be so you know you want them either dropping a lot of guys to take away the pass and open things up for Hubbard to run or you want them having to load the box to stop Hubbard and open open things up for a lot of single coverage on the outside so we'll see which direction they tend to go um, whether they disguise things as well as Texas did it sounded like Texas in, in, in talking to guys really disguised their coverage as well so we'll see what uh, what Kansas State is able to do in uh, in that respect but uh, with with Chuba Hubbard, I just uh, I just after 32 against Tulsa on a hot day, 37 at Texas in a physical game, you expect this one to be physical as well. I just it, it feels like you've got to get some uh, get some help, and uh, you know I think Spencer Sanders is going to continue to be option number two in the mm-hmm. run game. Yeah, but you would hope that option number three out of the backfield emerges in in some other form whether it's ld brown getting on track jameel jeter getting healthy des jackson getting healthy whatever it might be you need somebody to step up and be able to take some uh, take some reps get themselves established in uh, in that backup role to chuba hubbard yeah and th- but the biggest question is where does that come from ld's been right. pretty effective ineffective um Micah Cooper's been banged up. Jamil Jeter has has been banged up. Desmond Jackson's been dang, banged up. Uh, DeAndre Glass fumbled against McNeese State, and we haven't seen yeah. him since. Um, 
it's just it's a it's a position that's normally been full depth for the yeah. Cowboys that all of a sudden now you look at it and go this is their weakness yeah. right now. Yeah, it uh it it really is and it's the uh it's the 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 biggest glaring weakness on this offense right now. Um, now it's good for them that they have Chuba Hubbard at the front of the line so that the entire position isn't a position of weakness. But it felt like they were going to have better depth than they do, or that the depth was going to perform better than it has with a guy like L.D. Brown who being a veteran, Jeter being a guy who got some experience. Obviously, they felt like they needed some help in some respects because they brought in Des Jackson as a junior college transfer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, in the uh, in in the winter. So they felt like they needed to add some depth there. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what they uh, what they choose to go do and how they find help for Chuba Hubbard because he's clearly going to need some. He can't keep up this pace without uh, without just destroying himself by the middle of the year. All right, let's take another break and come back. We'll talk a little, uh, little more offensive line, a little bit of defense, and uh, wrap it up for the Cowboy Chronicles. Now we want to remind you, as always, our end-of-the-week podcast, the Friday podcast, we do the mailbag segment. You can uh, jump on Twitter, find me at ScottWrightOK. Send me your questions there or email me, sright at oklahoman.com. If you want to jump in, ask some questions for the mailbag segment, do that every Friday, and we appreciate all the fans who jump in and, and contribute to that. So if you want to get in there, go ahead and, uh, and, and get on that. We appreciate it. So let's take a quick break. Be right back on the Cowboy Chronicles presented by Zaxby's. We are back on the Cowboy Chronicles, presented by Zaxby's. I'm your host, Scott Wright, joined by Jacob Unruh. Jacob, one uh, one critical question going forward. Uh, you know, the defense has had its share of injuries. Offense hasn't had a, a, a lot of big problems, but at the end of the game at Texas, Dylan Galloway went down with a, uh, with a, a right leg injury of some sort. Don't know exactly what it is. Uh, obviously, Oklahoma State keeping uh, keeping things clamped down on that, as they normally do with uh, with injuries. But uh, but Galloway went out, and it started the the musical chairs of the Oklahoma State offensive line. Tevin Jenkins from right tackle to left tackle. Bryce Bray from right guard to right tackle. Rye Schneider into the lineup at right guard. I was a little surprised to see Bryce Bray move to right tackle whenever he had been competing with Dylan Galloway at left tackle. Uh, I thought that was an interesting move. Um, Tevin Jenkins, I think, is their most athletic and and probably their most gifted lineman across the board. So I can understand the desire to put him at left tackle, but he's so comfortable at at the right side uh, that I was a little bit surprised they went that that way. Uh, Obviously, Bray was in that competition for a reason, Mm -hmm. but... Um, Galloway's status unknown going forward, and we'll see what that group looks like. Whether they're back in their uh, regular roles, or if they're uh, if they are um, in the spots that they were playing at the end of last week, or if something else has happened. You know, maybe they feel like with a week full of practice that Bryce Bray can move back into the left tackle spot. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, it's definitely a big concern going into this game, Jacob. Yeah, I, I really don't know what that means for Bryce, to be honest. Right. Um, maybe he wasn't. Maybe prepared all week on the right side, and just they didn't feel comfortable right. throwing him over there. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but you're right; it's going to be interesting to see how they adjust this. Um, 
against a good defensive front. Uh, that uh, ties in what I was saying earlier. How does this offensive line respond uh, after kind of getting pushed around at times by Texas? Um, and now you're short a man, possibly, mm-hmm. and it uh, it doesn't. Uh, that's not. You don't want to be short a man on the offensive line right now when you're trying for short yards improvement. Right. Exactly. It's an important week for Charlie Dickey, and not because it's his former team that he's going up against, but more so that he's you know facing a little bit of adversity with an injury. He's coming off of a of a an uneven performance against Texas. They had they had their moments where they looked okay. They had some moments where they looked a little overwhelmed. So it was uh, it was not the prettiest week they've had this season. So uh, you know, in terms of instilling the physicality and discipline that Mike Gundy wanted whenever he hired Charlie Dickey to replace Josh Henson on the offensive line. This is an important week for him to have those guys taking a, a step forward, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have much to add to that, probably, to be honest. Yeah, but that's uh, fair. That's fair. <laughs> it's fair, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe I – you know, Charlie I, – I, honestly, I'll, I'll admit I have not met Charlie Dickey yet on the beat yet. We, right. He has not right. been available. Um, but uh, you're right. This is big. Uh, I, I think – I don't know if he adds pressure to himself in that situation. I would think a veteran coach wouldn't, right. but um, he might. And, you know, with Ry Schneider, I know he's had experience and stuff, but I'm kind of curious how he responds. Yeah. He um, he did get the one start against West Virginia last year whenever Johnny Wilson was injured, and, and he played really well at center. Uh, I don't remember. I don't think there was a bad snap involved, and, and – West Virginia was playing a three-man front with a nose guard right on top of him all game, and he handled himself well. So, you know, now at, at right guard, I think he'll be okay if that ends up being the case and he ends up playing there. Um, as I said, we don't know what Dylan Galloway's status for Saturday is, uh, but that'll be something that we'll be watching closely to see what they uh, might try to do in that in that instance to get their five best players on the field on that offensive line. So. That'll be uh, that'll be something in pregame that we'll be keeping a close eye on. Uh, moving over to the defensive side of the ball, I got to uh, visit for the first time. Oh, well, not the first time. I talked to him right after he committed to Oklahoma State. Um, what would that have been in uh, January of 2018? Samuela Tui Halamaka got to uh, show off. <laughs> got to talk to him face to face for the first time, and he's an interesting dude. Um, I was really kind of surprised to start hearing his name as a guy who was emerging that could be somebody that was stepping into a bigger role in in the defensive tackle rotation because he was sort of uh, he was he was a, a late addition to the uh, to the signing class. He and Mike Scott were both signed late uh, in the in the February signing period. For the the 2018 class, he was not a heavily recruited guy. He said that uh, you know he really didn't have any other options until Oklahoma State came along. And for for all of that, you know, it was at a time when Oklahoma State knew that they needed to add some depth on the defensive line, but they didn't necessarily have an, a, a great option for somebody that could come in and play right away. Obviously, he had to redshirt last season. So I think that there was a little bit of a level of surprise that he had become the player he is, and he's getting a lot of action, particularly with with you know the injuries that they've had with Sione Asi, uh, 
uh, Brennan Evers for the Tulsa game, and I, I don't think that Brennan Evers even played a, a full uh, typical starter uh, level of reps against Texas. Israel Antoine came back for his first uh, appearance. Uh, Tui Halamaka has had to, to play a lot, and he's been pretty solid in the middle. Yeah, I asked Cameron Murray about him, and Cameron's been really impressed. Uh, he said that he's kind of flipped that switch from where he didn't believe he could do this at this level to where he can. Um, and I asked kind of why, and he said, well, a lot of it's been the coaching. Everyone's just really pumped it into him that he's capable of doing this, uh, including Cameron and other linemen. Uh, and they've really just seen him kind of turn a corner um, and become a guy that they really, really can rely on at this point. Yeah, it's it, he's a, he's a, he's a talented guy. They put him out there. He was you know they ran almost exclusively three man front against Texas, and so he was at that nose position for a, a good portion of the game when he was in, and and he held up really well. Uh, I thought that uh, what is being asked of him right now is uh, is pretty significant, and for a guy that. You know, was sort of an afterthought in recruiting, and and had his redshirt year, and now is is performing at this level as a as a redshirt freshman. It's pretty impressive, and we'll see. We'll see. I'm curious to see how Israel Antoine comes along. It was it seemed pretty clear that that he was not in uh, not in game shape. He was just a little yet. slow and gassed. It looked like pretty quick. Yeah, um, I think uh, I think that's going to improve. He's obviously been in practice, but I think that'll improve. Yeah, it's it's kind of like us in the basketball court today. Um, yes, we're, we're, exactly. We, we were, some of us might be in shape, shape, but we're not either. in game shape. It's kind of that way with uh, with Izzy right now. Um, you get him going though, and get him. I think maybe a home game might do him some good too. Get yep. in front of a home crowd that really is going to pump him up, and um, I think we're going to see the the Israel Antoine that Colorado had and Millwood had uh, sooner than later. Yes, I would agree, and we'll see. It's very important that they uh, they continue to develop that depth on the defensive line. That's a, uh, a really big deal at this point. So uh, getting as many of those guys involved as possible is going to be is going to be pretty important. So uh, we'll see. Linebacker, the depth continues to improve there. Um, Kevin Henry was a guy we got to got to visit with tonight. Really a great kid. Uh, love talking to that guy about of you can talk to him about so many different things and um, he's uh, he's a good dude. glad to see him healthy. Uh, said that it was a concussion issue that was uh, that was keeping him out earlier in the season. So uh, happy to know that he's past that because you don't want to see anybody dealing with head injuries. And Oklahoma State is happy to see him healthy and and out on the field and producing as a uh, as a fifth year senior who uh, has battled some injuries, had a torn ACL in seventeen and uh, struggled to get on the field at times. And um, really quality player can play both of those linebacker positions, so he can help out at either spot. But uh, really important guy for Oklahoma State to have on the field. All right, Jacob, anything else about, about Kansas State? Obviously, we'll get into it a lot more uh, in the Friday episode and, and the mailbag and, and all of those sorts of things. But anything uh, I used to call it the most important thing I forgot. Uh, there's usually something mm, that, uh, that I forget that I forget. The most about. important thing you forgot. Yeah. It doesn't have um, to be necessarily important. It's just the most important one that I forgot um, because I forget a lot of stuff. There's no more Bill Snyder. Isn't that a weird? It's it's thing weird to think. And about. I never even covered Bill Snyder, and I think this is odd. Right? Yeah, it's going to be so strange to look out there and see Mike Gundy meeting at midfield with some guy who's not in a you know a, a, a purple jacket that looks like it's from the '80s or um, you know a turtleneck for no reason. So those sorts of things that yeah, that, that, I, that Snyder. I'm kind of sad that I don't get to see Bill Snyder yeah. this weekend. Yeah. It was uh, always a joy to uh, to watch him coach. 
uh, catches, uh, his post-game press conferences, all those sorts of things. So, yeah. And and it's really weird to think that uh, now Mike Gundy is the second longest tenured coach in the Big 12 uh, after uh, after the departures of, of Bob Stoops and 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 uh, and Coach Snyder. So that's a really a really odd thing to think that that is weird. A guy that uh, that I remember playing when he was in high school at Midwest City is the uh, the longest tenured coach in the Big 12. But it is what it is. All right, he's Jacob Unruh. I am Scott Wright. We appreciate you, as always, for joining us here on the Cowboy Chronicles, presented by Zaxby's. Zaxby's taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com.